So uh, I don't want to bore you guys with prayer. And, and um, this is something that I've been walking with for quite some time. I've shared on prayer here and there. And um, it's not something that I have figured out at all. But, um, but all I know is that, that whoever you look at in Scripture, whoever you look at in history, the one thing that set them apart for me is their prayer life. It doesn't matter if it's Moses, Abraham, David, uh, Daniel, um, even Job. I mean, Old Testament guys. If you if you look at all the prophets, all the heroes of the faith, Elijah, Elisha, all of these guys. The one thing that you see is is this prayer life. If you look at the life of Jesus, his three and a half years of ministry. I mean, prayer is the one thread that just runs all throughout uh, every one of their lives. It's it, you can't get away from it. If you look at Paul, if you look at John, if you look at Peter, if you look at the, the heroes of the faith recently, the one thing that, that set people apart was, was prayer. It was their ability to, to see God, right? And all over Scripture, we see this command where, where God says, well, seek, seek me, seek my face, right? Seek his power. Psalm 105, I think it's verse 4, it says, seek his power, seek his face, Seek Him more, right? Isn't it awesome? So constantly, I mean, all of us, we know it. It's this, it's this desire that, that's in the Lord's heart for us to press into Him in ways that we haven't done before. Because it goes back to relationship. It goes back to, to building our life in the secret place, what we just sang, and to, to live a life out of the secret place. That's feasting. That's feasting on that table I spoke about last night. And, and prayer is the, the most simple thing to do, but it's also the hardest thing to do sometimes. Yeah? No? Just me? Okay? It's the easiest thing, but it's also the hardest thing. It's, it's so simple, it, it, it's kind of hard to explain it, but yet you want explanation on it. Isn't it strange? Right? And, and it's, it's this weird thing. And, and then there's different kinds of prayer. And am I praying right? Am I praying wrong? And, you know, all, all of that stuff. And, and all what I believe is that I'm going to use the word, so relax. But I believe that the prophetic movement that God is launching at the moment, the, this Elisha generation, right? And it's, it's not Elijah, but it's Elisha. The point was Elijah started something that was phenomenal, but Elisha took it to a different place than Elijah ever did, right? Elisha did double the miracles, double the manifestations that Elijah had. Right, but Elijah was the starting point of this movement. And I, I believe that God is shifting something in the prophetic and in the apostolic, by the way. And because it's part of this awakening that the Lord is bringing. It's part of this billion soul harvest that God wants to bring in. It's part of a new season in God that's arrived. And, and, and it's all going to go back. Doesn't matter if you're, what office you're in. Doesn't matter if you're in an office or not. It really doesn't matter. But, but the heart of the thing is going to be prayer. Right? There is a drive back to the secret place like never before. And God is calling us. It's like this unctioning of the Lord to pull us into that place like never before. So I believe that the modern prophet is going to be a mystic first of all. Right Now I know people hate the word mystic. So I'm going to keep using it until you like it. All right. What is a mystic? If you look in the dictionary, like Webster's Dictionary, a mystic is, this is the simple definition. Right. A mystic is someone that seeks oneness with God through prayer. Okay. Now you tell me you don't want to be that. Okay. All right. So are we all on the same page? Can I, does everybody in the room want to be a mystic? All right. Can I just, thank you very much. All right. Can we just relax? It's not new age. It's somebody that seeks oneness with God through prayer. Okay. It's somebody that wants to walk in union with the Lord, but it's rooted in prayer. Okay, that's the bedrock of this whole thing, right? And I believe that the modern prophet is going to be, it's, they're going to be mystics, right? They're going to be people that knows what it means to seek the Lord and to spend time in the secret place and to only come out once they have a word. It's going to be people that walk in accuracy more than we've ever seen before. Accuracy in prophetic words, but accuracy, accuracy in timing, positioning, obedience, being at the right place at the right time. 
And all this means is there's rest, what I spoke about last night. There's tremendous rest that's going to come upon the body of Christ because we're going to live out of the word of the Lord. Okay? We're going to hear what the Lord says and we're going to act on that. It's not going to be our own ideas, good ideas anymore, but we're going to really rest in what God is saying and we're going to step into a whole different level of accuracy in everything. Right place, right time. Who knows that that's the key to a miracle, by the way? Right place, right time. Right? I've noticed over and over that I, I, I don't understand all of it, but the one thing that I've noticed is if I'm in the right place at the right time, miracles will happen. Right? And it's not even about who's there. It's just that someone's there. Yeah? Right place, right time. And miracles happen. Incredible signs and wonders manifest. People's lives get changed because you're at the right place at the right time. You're, you're in the rest of the Lord and everything flows from that place. So I believe that what we're going to see is we're going to see a, 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 an awakening in this area of, of just the thing that I have in my heart. Personally, I've had it for years, but I felt like the Lord is starting to release it. So this morning is the beginning of it. But we're going to see prayer weekends, prayer schools that's going to start. And people are just going to sit and seek the Lord. It's going to, it's going to be much less flashy than it's been. And people are just going to sit and seek the Lord and have encounters with God and hear from the Lord. But it's words that's going to shape the history of a family or a nation or a town or a city, right? And God wants to pull us into that place, but the key is prayer. It's going to be rooted in prayer, a sensitivity and a desire to be with the Lord, right? Psalm 27, verse 8, beautiful verse, it says, You have said, seek my face, right? It's David's one of the famous Psalms. You have said, seek my face. I love how the Amplified kind of explains that. It says, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. Right? That's a mystic right there. But it's somebody that's realized that without the presence, I'm done. Right? It's, it's vital to my survival. It's my very life. Without it, I'm nothing. And out of the presence... We're going to start living. We're going to start seeing things. And it's already happening. It's nothing new, by the way. Do you, do you agree? Bill Johnson, by the way, what is Bill Johnson's message, whether you like him or not? What is the one thing that Bill Johnson believes in? It's the presence, right? At all costs, what do you do? Protect the presence. That's a mystic, right? He's, he's just done this. Every revivalist in history, what have they done? They've protected the presence. They've... They've made that the essential thing in their life, that the presence is what matters, and they'll protect it at any, any cost, right? There's the story of John Lake. He was ministering in, um, yeah, he was ministering in Pretoria, actually, way back. And they, uh, they were having these revival meetings. It was going on night after night, and it was just powerful meetings, amazing meetings. And then the one um, afternoon, he took an afternoon nap. He was just tired. It's been weeks of ministry. He was tired, and he just went to bed, and... Um, and he overslept completely. He was just being a normal human being for once. And um, he overslept completely. And the pastor felt, listen, let's just give him one night's break. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take tonight's service. And, you know, he can go on tomorrow. Let's just give the man a break. And so they started the service, and it was close to the house where he stayed. It was actually very close to the union buildings. So, and the next minute, uh, John Lake woke up, and he heard the service started. And he ran and he stopped everything. And, and it's interesting, he writes in his, in his book because yeah, he says he, he knew that the guy's going to mess up the presence. <laughs> so he took it over because he, even though it was a great guy, the guy wasn't sensitive to the presence. And it was interesting because John came in, he took the whole service over, and that was the night where, where you've heard about it where, where the choir would start floating in the air. Did you hear about that? I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? I'm sorry to, it's not my fault, it's just history, right? And it was... Afrikaanse blanke mense, koor, dan die koor so begin opstuig in die licht as gevolg van die teenwoordigheid van die Heere wat in die plek ingekom het. Yeah. Now that's different. But what was the key? The presence. He said, I, the presence must be protected at all cost. Right? And that's who we're supposed to be. That, and, and let's just bring it, I want to really try and bring this stuff to your house today. Right? What does that look like in your house? 
it's just, it's the same. It's just living a presence-centered life. Where the presence of God, because if you live aware of the presence, then suddenly gossip is not an option. You understand? Lying is not an option because it will affect the presence. You know? Just slandering is not an option. If my whole house is wired around the presence of God, then what's going to happen? Order is going to come into my house. Because chaos, there's a good chaos and a bad chaos. I'll speak about the good chaos later. But the bad kind is not conducive to hosting the presence. Right? But if I'm presence-centered, if I live like John Lake and you wake up and you realize, we're going to mess it up. I need to take charge of this thing right now. Right? I'm not, maybe he was a control freak. I don't know. But anyway, it made sense. So, but, but if you wake up in the morning and, and, and if I'm going through the day and I'm seeing my house is spinning out of control, then what's wrong? Well, we're missing the presence. How do I get the presence back into my house? How do I get calm back into my business place or my work environment? How am I going to produce that so that my children, my family, those around me actually flourish because I'm hosting the Lord? Right? It's important. So Psalm 27 verse 8. Are you fine? It says, my, okay, my heart says to you, now this is the response, your face, your presence, Lord, will I, will I seek. I will inquire for and require of necessity and on the authority of your word. Right? The Lord says, seek my face. And my heart replies, your face I will seek. That's what all of us, that's the response in every heart in this room. I know that. Because I've, I know what it feels like. You sit in a room and we talk about prayer, we talk about seeking the Lord, and your heart immediately goes, that's what I want to do. Right? That's what I want to do. And then Monday comes. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody inside, this is, it, it's such a normal desire for us to want to be in the presence of God because you were created for it, right? That's where we want to go back to. But prayer is, is the key. Seeking Him gives us access to his, to his heart, right? It's to access the heart of God. And what does Ephesians 2 say? It says, through Christ you have access, unlimited access to the Father. Unlimited access to the Father is available. You think about it. Unlimited access to the Father. Unlimited. Right? You can have what Adam had in the garden. Unlimited access is available. It didn't say for some. It didn't say for prophets, apostles. It said unlimited access. It's actually speaking about heathens. It was actually speaking about the Gentile nations in that context of Ephesians 2. Unlimited access to the Father. Isn't that something? Abram would have done everything to have that. Elijah would have done anything to have that. Yeah? We have unlimited access. They were bound to visitation. God decided to come to them. We are His habitation. It's a big difference. Right? Unlimited access to the Father is what you have. It's amazing. Right? Anytime you want, you can access the Father through the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Prayer brings us into union with Him. Hearing His Word is what sanctifies us. Right? So sitting in that prayer closet, being in that place, and you actually hear His words over you, that's what sanctifies you. That's what sets you apart and makes you holy. John seventeen seventeen it says that uh, sanctify them. It's Jesus praying, right? This is the kind of prayers Jesus is praying for you, by the way. Yeah? You thought about it? This is the high priestly prayer, John 17. This is the kind of stuff Jesus prays right now over us. Right? And he says, Father, sanctify them, us. Purify, consecrate, separate them for yourself. Make them holy. Isn't that something? Can you imagine Jesus sitting right now in heaven and just praying that prayer over you? Just, Father, just sanctify or sanctify Diavolt, or sanctify Martin, sanctify Hank, please, Lord. Please, Lord, just help Hank, sanctify him, right? <laughs> Set him apart. Make him holy, right? Isn't it awesome? Set him apart for you. Isn't that something? It's like Jesus' prayer is, would you set these people apart for you, that they will look so much like you, that the whole earth will go, oh, we've seen the Father because we've looked at them. This is the prayer of Christ, right? He says, How? 
your word by the truth. Your word is truth. It's not awesome. It's that word thing again. We need to love the word. It's, it's to hear the word, to read the word, to let it come over us and set us apart, sanctify us so that we look different than everybody around us. That's the kind of prayers that God is praying for you. The word sets us apart, right? Do you agree? The word sets you apart and sanctifies your imagination. And the minute our imagination is sanctified, visions and encounters with the Lord becomes much easier. Agreed? If your imagination is polluted, if it's unholy and it's filled with rubbish, it's really hard to have encounters with the Lord because there's always this filter of unholiness and God doesn't like that so much. But when I sanctify myself, when I'm sanctified by the Word, when I'm soaking in the Word, that, that's, by the way, the thing. How, how many of you have played, um, I'm going to use you, sorry. But you know, you, Marie's got a little bit stuck on Tetris at some point. All right? It, it's very holy, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so, but she got a little bit caught up on Tetris, it was way back when the phones had those little lines, I mean, so we just got married, she got absolutely hooked on Tetris, so she was just playing day and night, we didn't have children, so we could do that, right, so, uh, so at night time, she would just play, right, and, and she would just have fun, and then when she goes to sleep, she would dream of what, these Tetris blocks coming down, <laughs> and it's like, it just never stopped, right, why, because you were feeding on the game, right, so that's what's in your system, and that's what's going to come out when you dream, when you have encounters. Now, the, the point is that when we are feeding on the Word, that's going to look different, right? And how we, do we do that? Through prayer, through sitting in that place, through just feeding on the Lord. Um, just remember, how you see Him in prayer really matters. And what I mean with that is your revelation of Jesus is going to determine your prayer life, right? Because that's going to determine your approach to the Lord, your revelation of his goodness or his anger or if, if, if you're a worm or a whatever you think you are or if you're a son of God, if you're worthy or unworthy, all of that stuff, your revelation of him and what he did on the cross has a massive impact on how you're going to approach him in prayer. Okay? Some of us get stuck in a certain way of prayer because of our revelation. I'll get into that a little bit more. But we get stuck in these begging prayers because we still believe we're a beggar. Even you know you're not theologically, but, but if you listen to your prayer life, you're actually going to discover what you believe. Okay? The way you approach Him is going to determine your prayer, is going to determine what the revelation in your heart is. That's why Proverbs 29, um, verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. In the Amplified, I like that. The people perish. All right? But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Here's my point. Where there is no prophetic revelation of the Lord, the people perish. If you don't have revelation of God, your prayer life will also perish. Right? It's not going to flourish. It's not going to open up. Because somehow we're stuck in a place where you feel that still you need to turn God's arm about certain things, that this is work, this is hard, this is difficult, that we've got to sweat now, and hopefully he's going to listen one day. You know, if I cry and shout hard enough, he's going to actually respond at some point, right? But that's the, lo the wrong revelation, and many of, of us pray out of that place. There is place for that. I'm going to talk about it, but there's a different place in the heart of God that we actually start praying from. But it comes from vision. It comes out of a place of I have an understanding of who I am because of who he is. And that shapes my prayer life. And I, I pray differently. Right? I pray differently. So it's so important how, you, how God has revealed himself to you that you actually hold on to that in this season. Because it's going to determine how you pray in that season. Right? And it will change. It's okay. But we need to be sure that we're aligned with the truth of who he is. And that we don't perish, right? Because we need a true revelation of, of, of who he is and what, he, what he's speaking to uh, about us. Because, yeah. Because here's the thing. You're a king, right? Okay? We're kings and priests, according to the word, according to First Peter 2, verse 9. You're a king and a priest. Because you're what? A son of God. That makes you a king and a priest, Right? What does Scripture say? Proverbs 19 says that, that it is, uh, let me read it to you. Uh, it says, um, luxury is not fitting for a self-confident fool. 
much less for a slave to rule over princes, right? What, what's the principle? When a slave, a slave mentality comes into a place of authority, the people suffer, right? We've seen that in the history, sorry, but it's all over history in oppressed nations where you see somebody that rises up. He was this warrior, this fighter, this liberator, and he comes into governance, but he's still a slave in his mindset. And what does he produce? Slaves, Right? He produces a dictatorial kind of a system. And this is what it's talking about. Now, you are a king and a priest, right? So now you move in the realm of God. You move in the realm of the Spirit. And you actually have the ability to govern things in your own life out of spirit, out of the Spirit because of your prayer life. But if your mindset is that of a slave, the people will suffer, right? Meaning you won't bring the liberty that you're able to bring because your mindset is still in the wrong place. You're not thinking like royalty. You're not thinking like the son of a king. So your prayer life doesn't rise up to the potential that it has, and you don't have the impact you're supposed to have. Because you have to understand that you set the tone, spiritual tone, around your own life and family. You do. Because you're a king and a priest. If you don't like the tone around your life, it's your fault. Right? You need to fix it through prayer. But if you're thinking like a slave, and now you've become a prince, and you don't understand that you can actually change things. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be slavery in your house. Right? The children doesn't have to be slaves, and you don't need to be slaves to them. Right? Freedom can be in your house despite the circumstances. I'm not speaking about only prospering. I'm speaking about in whatever season, because you're a king and a priest, And because of your prayer life, you can govern the atmosphere in your house. Does it make sense? It's just practical because we speak king and priest, but you actually have the ability to pray things into your house. You can pray calm over your house. You can speak that, and that's your job, but we don't do it. We get caught up in the chaos, like I said last night, instead of governing out of this place. But but when we think like a slave, we're going to pray like a slave. Yeah? And we need to become free. So we actually pray prayers that brings freedom to those around us, right? Because your revelation of God, like I said, is going to determine your prayer life. Because it's interesting, if you look at the creatures in Revelation 4, verse 6, and Ezekiel 1, it's interesting, these creatures around the throne, they are all covered in eyes. Have you noticed? It's strange beings, right? But they're all covered in eyes. Here's the thing. Revelation gives you wings, not Red Bull, right? (laughs) Revelation gives you altitude in the Spirit. The more I see, and, and it's not about, listen to me, I want you to relax. If I use the word see, I don't care if you see the angel, feel the angel, hear of the angel, read of the angel in the Bible, I really don't care. But you're seeing. Do you understand? So don't get, don't worry about whether you it's like somebody, I think somebody said to Bob Jones once, so did you see it in this, like when you see angels, is it like like you see um, Jan? (laughs) Or what is it like? And he said, what does it matter? And what's the difference? Now, there is a difference, but to him it was all the same. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's in the spirit, if it's in the, it's the same thing, I'm seeing, that's it, done, right? For me it's the same. If I see the revelation in scripture, if I feel it in my heart, if I see it with my eyes or see it in the spirit, I don't care, right? So I want you to relax. When I use the word see, I'm meaning perceive. Is that, can everybody just breathe? Okay. So as long as you, the way you perceive him, right? Because that gives you sight, that gives you insight and understanding spiritually with your eyes, not your eyes, doesn't matter. But you have a revelation of God. You saw something in scripture and that awoken something inside of you. That gives you height. That gives you altitude in the spirit. Right? That's Isaiah 40, 31. And you will soar on the wings of eagles. Why? Because you're seeing, you're, you're getting it, you have understanding. My people perish due to a lack of knowledge. Doesn't matter if you're seeing or not seeing. I don't care. Just get it. <laughs> right? That's, that's what changes your prayer life. That's what makes you soar is when you have a revelation of God. It's really hard to pray when you think He doesn't want to talk to you. Right? Sorry, Lifi. There was this girl that I liked way back. Right? Not as, never as much as you, never. And, um, but she, 
she was very nice, but she was extremely shy, like, like extremely. And I also don't like talking all the time. I actually like people who like talking a lot because then I can just sit there and listen. I don't have to do it. It's no work for me. That's fantastic. You know, so I'm just like, okay, bring it on. <laughs> right? So now I'm, I'm, and so I'm trying to, you know, get to know her better. And uh, so I remember having to go to her at night. I still had like a 50cc motorfeet, a wolf, you know, a Suzuki wolf that I had. <laughs> anyway, so... So I would go to her Friday evenings and visit her, but on my way I knew that she's not going to talk. It's like talking to the chair a little bit, you know. So, so I had to get up conversation points. So I would literally drive at night and just read the street posts, you know, the the newspaper headlines, so that I have something to talk about, you know. So I'm like, hey, so did you see about this and this? And I mean, I'm 19. It's really who cares about the politics when you're 19, right? So, and I remember going there, and I really liked her, but boy, it was hard work, right? So that just never worked, because I, I realized that whatever's going to happen, it's going to take a lot of effort from my side constantly. Now, prayer for some of us is like that, right? We feel we need to bring a lot of stuff to the Lord, because He's just not going to talk to us, right? He's not interested, and it's going to be hard work, and boy, oh boy, you're going to grind this thing out. It's not true. It's not true, Right? It's not the way it works. Your revelation is wrong. Your revelation is wrong. He wants to talk. He wants to commune with you. Whether he says something or whether he just sits next to you. Right? Whether he just manifests his peace without speaking a word. That is life being exchanged. Right? That's awesome. Doesn't matter if it's an angel or a scroll or a word or a silence. And you sit in the silence of God and feel refreshed and revived because you fellowshiped with life himself. There's always communication with God. Always. 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 He loves us. Right? He wants us to look more like Him. So, get your revelation about Him right. Okay? Psalm 65, verse 5 and 6. I just want to get into that a little bit. Uh, the Passion says it's beautifully. It says, you answer our prayers. That should be enough just there. Right? He answers our prayers. Thank you, Jesus. Right? You answer our prayers. It's like Daniel 10. I, I, I think it's Daniel 10 where, where the angel finally comes to him and he's like, oh Daniel, most loved, favored, highly favored by God. The minute that you prayed, God sent me. But I was caught up in the spirit realm and it took me 21 days to get to you because I had this fight with the prince of Persia. I'm sorry about that, Daniel, but I'm here now. But Daniel, the minute you prayed, God sent me. Isn't that something? The minute Daniel went on his knees, God said, I'm answering your prayer. Right? God is inclined, his ear is inclined to our prayers. Isn't that awesome? When we go into that secret place and we say, God, we're coming before you, and you start praying out of the heart of God, he says, I I hear, heaven is responding. He took note. There is no such thing as a missed prayer. Right? It's recorded somewhere. Isn't that awesome? The minute you pray. So you answer our prayers with amazing wonders and with awe-inspiring displays of power. Isn't that cool? Okay. You are the righteous God who helps us like a father. Everyone everywhere looks to you. Isn't that beautiful? Everyone everywhere looks to you. They just don't know it yet, but they need you. For you are the confidence of all the earth even to the farthest islands of the sea. What jaw-dropping, astounding power is yours. You are the mountain maker who sets them all in place. Isn't that awesome? And it keeps on describing how awesome he is, how powerful he is, but it says, you are the God who answers our prayers. It's kind of like he lists all of this stuff and he says, wonder number one, you answer our prayers. How? With jaw-dropping power. Isn't that something? You're the God who answers our prayer. That was his revelation. Do you see? His prayer life 
was birthed out of a revelation that he's listening. That's why David is the praying guy, right? Or I don't know if it was David or not. You can check me. But they understood that prayer is answered. They didn't doubt it. This was the revelation that they walked with. Well, he's the one who answers prayer. What's the problem? Okay, let's pray. Why? Because he's going to answer prayer. That's what he does. Right? That should be us. That should be us. Ian Bounds, he was this prayer warrior. He said, prayer sacrifice is the forerunner and pledge of self-sacrifice. We must die in our closets before we can die on the cross. Right? That's something. We must die in our closets before we can die on the cross. Because that's exactly what Jesus did in the garden. Right? That night before it happened. He died in that place. He made the decision in prayer. You shall not remove this cup from me. I'm going to drink the cup. Right? He, de- he decided in prayer that night that I'm going through. I don't think he ever doubted. But that was the place where he just surrendered it all again. He said, your will be done, not mine. Right? But it started in that place. Prayer is what positions you. Prayer, dying in the prayer closet is what positions you for the cross. And the cross always leads to glory. Right? But it's dying in prayer. It's, it's saying, I'm willing to lay down in this place. Right? And I'm willing to let go. I'm talking about a different kind of prayer now. We'll get into the rest now. Another E.M. Bounds quote. I like it. Prayer carries the promise to its gracious fulfillment. It takes persistent and persevering prayer to give to the promise its largest and most gracious results. Yeah? I'm talking about intercession now. Just There's different kinds of prayer. I'm going to talk about mystic prayer later on. But I'm talking about intercession. And I want to say something. Despite what anybody is saying to you, you cannot remove the fact that Jesus said, Ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given to you. Persistently ask. There, there is absolutely a place in the body for that. You cannot get away from it. I'm sorry. There's too much scripture. There, there is a place where we actually labor in prayer. Right? There's a place for that. And, but I think the body, we've been doing that a lot. A lot. So I'm going to talk about the other side in a minute. And I believe that the other side, mystic prayer or the prayer of silence, whatever you want to call it, is actually the birthing place where we get what we're supposed to labor for in prayer, right? So I'm doing it the wrong way around, but I want to show you just a little bit of the persistent side of prayer that I think people have written off or we're just not doing it, right? Because we've gone into a weird thing about it. It's all grace. Don't worry about it. And here's the problem with an extreme grace gospel. It removes prayer out of the mix because everything's going to happen in any way. I'm sorry, it doesn't. That's not what he said. He said, all authority has been given in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, and then he gives it to us. And he says, now you go. Right? It's just not true. It's not just going to happen. God is looking for watchmen on the wall. God is looking for people that's going to stand in that place of prayer and that's going to call heaven and the promises of God down into the earth. Right? And it's persistent. It's persevering. But there's energy that comes with that grace, whatever you want to call it, that God's going to give us so that we can do it. But this is the kind of prayers that Jesus prayed. But there's an other side to it, and that's the side that's been neglected. It's, it's the mystic prayer part, and we're going to do it at the end because I want us to practice it, all right? But you have to see that there's still room for ask, seek, and knock, and it shall be given to you, right? You have to understand that that still exists, but that cannot form all of your prayer life. That's like 20% of your prayer life, right? 80% of your prayer life is present-centered. Okay, 20% is ask, seek, and knock. And that may even be reduced at some point. Because again, if you learn to live in the presence and you learn to live out of the word of the Lord, you're going to pray less nonsense and more accurate. You understand it? You're going to hit the, the hammer is going to hit the nail every time. And that's where we want to be. Because you want to preserve energy. You want to actually flourish in the presence and not get caught up in works. We're praying so much that we're missing the point. But you have to understand that you have to pray. You understand? There is a place for it. Paul lists a couple of ways of prayer uh, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. And he says, first of all then. Isn't that something? 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. First of all then. Right? First of all then. 
I urge that you prophesy. I urge that you give tithes. I urge that you use communion. I urge that you... No. What is the first thing he's urging? Pray. First of all, my spiritual son, pray. That should give us some sense of what they value. First of all, Timothy, I urge you to do this. Pray. Right? That was like the main thing. He said, first of all, I urge you that supplications, these are different kinds of prayers, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for who? All people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, listen to this, that we, right, it's got nothing to do with them, that we may lead a peaceful and prosperous life. That we may lead a peaceful and prosperous life. First of all, Timothy, I need you to do something. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings for all people and all people in high positions so that we can live in peace. Isn't that something? Right? Just an example. Think of America right now. Right? Do you see the chaos there? I don't care if you like the president or not. It says, you need to make prayers for him so that who? You can live in peace. Wherever you li- I, I like him. Whether you like him or not is irrelevant. But you're supposed to pray. And if you don't, what happens? No peace. <laughs> I heard these spiteful people spite themselves. It's that kind of a story. You know? It's amazing, right? But it says supplications. What is supplications? So that's a different... It says it means to ask for humbly and earnestly beseech. Right? That's a supplication. It differs from other forms of prayer in that it petitions the Lord for a specific thing. That's supplications. So that means it's your shopping list, basically, right? It's my needs that I bring before the Lord, and I humbly ask, persistently ask, ask, seek, and knock. Okay? So I'm I'm making supplication for my own life, for the lives of those around me. I'm praying for specific things. I'm praying for the nation. I'm praying for the president. That's what it's about, right? It's supplications. I'm asking God to give out of his hand grace for a certain situation, right? It's necessary. It's part of your prayer life. The second thing that that he mentions is prayers. So that's kind of a general thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But there's supplications, then prayer. Prayer is just communication with God, right? It's conversation with the Lord. So that's prayers. So, So he's actually giving us a key here, and it's probably into his own prayer life, saying that I want you to do what? Make supplications. Right, so petition God for what you need. The Lord says, you do not have, why? Because you do not ask, right? So don't stop asking, that would be foolish. But he also says that he knows what you need even before you ask him. So it's a little bit confusing, right? And then he says, don't stop asking and be like that persistent lady that bugged the judge all night. And even the ungodly guy gave her a a good judgment in the end because he was just exhausted by this woman, right? So kind of going, God, I don't know which way, all of the above, (laughs) Right? Make supplications, petition him for what you need. But just know that even before you come into the closet, he actually knows what you need. So what's the point? Don't ask for rubbish. He knows what you need, not what you want. He knows what you need, right? So he knows. So you can, And also it should give you liberty to ask what you need because he already knows. It's not like you're surprising him. That's why he sometimes gives you things that you didn't ask for, but he actually knows you need it, right? Because that's the way he is. He gives you stuff that you don't, you didn't think you need, but yeah, look at that. I didn't need it after all, right? That's the awesomeness of God. So go boldly before him and ask what you need. Stop being a beggar. Stop being shy. Stop thinking that he doesn't have enough. Just make supplications to the Lord, right? Relax. Make prayers, conversations. We're going to talk about that later. The second one is thanksgivings. Isn't that interesting? Thanksgiving is actually listed as a form of prayer. It's like, what are we going to do? I'm going to pray. So I'm, I going to pray? I'm just going to thank him for stuff. That is an interesting way of prayer, by the way. When was the last time you didn't ask for a thing and all you did is just thank him for an hour or so? That will stretch you. Yeah. It's a good way of prayer. Because what happens when I give thanks and praise? He inhabits the praises. We just sang it. Right? 
And as I learned to do that, thanksgiving, boy, that really changes your, your needs list. Because suddenly you remember, oh, but I actually have a lot of stuff. Oh, that's good. Right? And you start, your value system shifts out of this form of prayer because you remember that I actually have something to be thankful for. You know? I have a lot to be grateful for. Man, I have shoes today. I don't like them very much, but at least I have some. There was this guy in the street who didn't have, and I have. Wow. You know? I actually have food. Tired of that dish, but, well, at least I have it. (laughs) You know? I actually have legs. They're not the prettiest in the world, but, you know, they're doing the job. I can stand on them and get around, you know? Not the shape I wanted, but at least I have some. (laughs) Right? Thanksgiving. It actually matters to God. It's a form of prayer, right? The next part is intercession. Uh, It's a prayer or a petition to God on behalf of another. Supplication is for me. Intercession is for other people, right? It's basically supplication on behalf of someone else. So that is when I start interceding for a nation or I start interceding for the president or I start interceding for this group or for that group. And listen, it is super important that we do that. I think personally, I think we're lacking in this area as well. Yeah. I think God wants to raise up intercession, prophetic intercession warriors. Right? People that's willing to sit in the closet and cry out before God and get wrecked before the Lord over lost souls and circumstances. People that's willing to to just labor in prayer day and night, day and night, and actually change the atmosphere because of the way they live, because of the way they pray. It's people like Reese Howells, and it's people like, uh, uh, what's that guy, Daniel Nash, the one who walked with uh, Finney, and um, that Clary guy that was with him. It's, it's people of, of the past that just shifted atmosphere. Madame Guyon was one of them, although she was a mystic, but she was an intercessor, right? Uh, there's people in history, St. Patrick was one, right? People in history that just rocked the world because of their intercessory lives. They would go in and weep before the Lord for souls, cry out to God for the lost to come in. They would target specific people and pray them and pray until they're in the kingdom. Right? To pray somebody and, and target that person in prayer until they get born again and not stop praying. And you're never going to meet them, you're never going to see them, but it's your prayers that pull them in. You know, Kanye West that's born again now, four years before his born again experience, Sean Boltz prophesied by name, right? That God's going to pull this guy in. Isn't that something? Four years later, he gets born again, and he's like an instant stadium evangelist. How did that happen? I mean, Kim Kardashian is actually covering herself. My goodness, it's bizarre, Right? This guy's leading worship at stadium events all over America. Thousands are getting born again at a Kanye West CD launch. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? How did that happen? And some people judge it. I don't really care. People are getting born again at this guy's meetings. I don't give a flip what you think, right? It's awesome, right? Jesus is king banner is hanging in New York's in, in, at Central Park. Massive banner covering a building. Jesus is king thinking, what's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you like that? Right? I don't care if, if he falls off the horse, whatever. People are getting born again. I don't want him to. But somebody saw it four years ago, prophetically, and I'm sure that there was prayer launched in that direction. And now this guy's in the kingdom. Do you know how that, what that feels like? We've had it in the village where we target specific people and we start praying them in, or we start tr- praying a turn on their hearts took a year sometimes six months two years and suddenly you see that person change and you go (laughs) that's awesome i didn't do a thing except i prayed isn't that something that guy at your work that really annoys you ever thought about launching an intercession party for him in your own heart and just a little bit stop criticizing him and actually pray him into the kingdom wouldn't that be something what if you took somebody's life who is not in place, and, and I don't mean, I mean, we, we have Christians in church that's just not getting into their destiny. You, you know what I mean? It's just, you can see they're struggling. Awesome, awesome, awesome people. And you know the prophetic words of their lives. You've heard it. 
And then we go, I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know, it must be something wrong with them. Why don't they get it? I don't know. Why don't they get it? I don't know. They must be doing something wrong. Like, you see, they're making horrible decisions over and over and over again. That must be why they're not getting into their destiny. My question is, what are you going to do about it? Right? What if you become that person in church that sees the gold in everybody around you because you heard the prophetic word, and my goodness, Sistoch, Maurice is not getting into her calling. And instead of criticizing her, you get on your knees and you make intercession for her until she breaks through into her destiny. Wouldn't that be something? Right? If we really believe that prayer is answered, and we all say yes, religiously or unreligiously, but we say yes, right? And if we all believe that prayer is powerful, why aren't we praying more? If we believe that prayer is the thing that can change any situation and any circumstance, why are we not sowing our lives into that more? It's like that group who, it was that movie Unplanned. How long did they fast? It was years, but then they did a 40-day fast. So it was, it was an unplanned, um, uh, what's a funny group that, that kills the baby, what's their names? Pro-life, pro-choice clinic. or Anyway, those abortion clinics in America. So you know the movie Unplanned? That girl who got born again and now is the spokesperson against the whole abortion movement uh, in America. Now, what happened is there was a church that for years played, prayed at the clinic where she worked. And during a 40-day fast, for years they prayed, during a 40-day fast, this is where she had an encounter. And, and, and this woman becomes this turning point in the history, literally in America, about abortion. Right, but somebody was making intercession over that place day and night. Literally, that's what they did, day and night. And that clinic doesn't even exist anymore. It's now actually a rehabilitation clinic for mothers that want to go into abortion, but they help them to not. Isn't that something? Right? Intercession did that. Prayer did that. Right? What can prayer do in your circumstances just for that family member that drives you crazy? What can it do in your workplace? What can it do for our nation if we step into this place of intercession again? Spurgeon said something that I love. It's real practical. He said, There is no doubt that it is by praying that we learn to pray. (laughs) And that the more we pray, the better our prayers will be. I kind of like that. It's like, because we struggle with this thing. And he's just like, hey, I just want to give you a big key here. Praying actually helps you to pray better. But the guy who never prays is never going to learn to pray. But when I actually start praying, guess what? You're going to get better at it. So what's the point? Just start praying. Like, I don't know how. Well, it doesn't matter. Just start. And the more you do it, the better you get. He actually goes on and he says he's pretty sure that the first time that he interceded, Abraham, when he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, he's pretty sure that wasn't his first round. There's been prayer before that, so that when the big moment came, he actually knew what to do. But he kept cultivating a life of prayer and intercession, and he pressed into that thing. So my point is, I'm starting on this topic because I believe there's two legs of this thing. I'm going to get into the second leg now. But the old school, hardcore, hard-nosed revivalists, right? If you read Leonard, have you ever read Leonard Ravenhill book? Who's had the joy of reading Ravenhill? Okay. Just a couple. That's painful, isn't it? Yeah, it's phenomenal, right? But that guy is just like, what's wrong with you? It's like, you want to start a revival, but you cannot even switch off your television and pray. That's like kind of the way the whole book goes. It's just, oh, right? He's like, so he tells the story of the guys who wrote to William Booth, and they said, we want a revival, right? We, they want revival, we're praying. And then William Booth wrote back to them, and he said, um, if you want revival, it's going to take tears, Right? And then, then Ravenil writes so simply, he says, so they went back to their prayer closet and they started crying out and tears started flowing for revival. And typical Ravenil, so revival came. <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of, these, there's something about these old school guys that just, they understood something about the, the power and the persistence and crying out and laboring in prayer on the one hand 
and making intercession and supplications for the stuff that matters because that's what Jesus did. Ask, seek, and knock. He didn't say it because he didn't model it. He modeled it. What was Jesus crying for in the night hours when he was praying? Right? He sweated blood for goodness sake. He sweated blood. And the biggest revival in history started that night. With the death of the Son of God. He sweated blood in prayer. Right? And something broke through and we're still living in the blessing of somebody that gave his life in prayer. He first died in the prayer closet and then on the cross. And it shifted the atmosphere. Right? Prayer is so powerful. Raven Hill says the following. He says, unction cannot be learned. The unction of the Spirit. He said, you cannot learn it. It's only earned by prayer. Unction is God's knighthood for the soldier preacher who has wrestled in prayer and earned the victory. (laughs) Isn't that something? It's the knighthood of God on those who's wrestled in prayer with the Lord, like Jacob. And wrestled all through the night, and God says, your calling has just changed. I'm anointing your head with oil. Your walk is different forever. Right? Because he wrestled with God. You see, there's, there's something, it's a, do you understand that it's confusing because it's this weird, bizarre battle between how easy it is to communicate with God. But on the other side, there's this place where he says, labor, right? Labor for the things that matters, right? Violently take the kingdom. Violently take it. How do you take it? You take it through prayer. So it's this, this seesaw thing. It's all grace. But then there's certain things that you labor for in the prayer closet and you get it. It's the knighthood of God. Grace gave us salvation, but you don't only want salvation, you want breakthrough, you want anointing, you want the power of God now so that people can change, right? And that comes through a Christ that sits in a garden and blood is coming out of him as he prays, but that night, everything changes. Everything changes, because he surrendered himself in prayer, right? I want to stir this thing in your heart and just say, we, we have to wake up in the area of supplication and intercession and thanksgiving. We have to wake up in this place. And we need a vision from God what to pray for. What do you see? It's so crazy. Those little kids of mine, we, uh, we had a drought last year. Bad one in, in the villages. So it was so dry. We have awesome stories, but it was dry. I mean, like literally you would just drive by and sheep would be dying, just dead sheep every day, new ones next to the road. Uh, the cattle were dying, the horses. It was just, and it's, the stink is just all over the place. It was horrible, right? And uh, so we only have water tanks. The water in the taps are dry. It, it's dry. I mean, it's just, it's a desert land, really. It was horrible. Like we would have these wind storms or dust storms come in. And like you can't see beyond the, the door there. It's just dust. It's just dust everywhere. And then it's in the house. It's, it's, it, was, it was really bad. I felt like we were in a desert. It wasn't pleasant at all. So no, nothing is green. There's no growth. It's just disgusting, right? So we go home December and January begins. And we're like, well, uh, we're going to ask the kids, what do they want this year? Because we're going to just pray together as a team. So we just sit there and, and we didn't labor that much, but it was just a beautiful thing. And they all go, and, and my, I think it was Ben that said, all he wants is green grass. That would just be really great. He just wants green grass. And then Sherry, the other, the other girl, the other team member, she, she just went, she wants flowers. And there's, there's no flowers there, right? There's no flowers. There's flowers on the mountain, but that's the only place where you found flowers. But where, where at? There's nothing, right? And I don't know what the others prayed. You know, the date to be raised and stuff like that. So, they, you know, so it's all these awesome things. And anyway, so, so that's their prayer. And then a couple of days later, we finally go to the village. So we drive into the village. And I wish you could see Ben, right? Because he was the one asking for the green grass. So we drive in, and it is lush green. And they are freaking out. And they're like, Daddy, Mommy, we prayed for... Look, there's green grass. We can play. It's green. And like, yeah, we're so happy, right? Now, green grass should happen when it rains. I get that. Now, we literally got a photo two days ago. No, a week ago. I don't remember. Where are we? I don't even know. Anyway, but we got a week ago, we got a photo from our team that they went to the village. There are literally fields, and we've never seen this before, fields of flowers all around the place. 
yellow flag. I mean, they are freaking out. They are so happy. Isn't it awesome? They just made that little intercession in their heart, and it's flowers everywhere. It's green grass everywhere. And what's this thing? I am the God. You are the God who does what, who answers our prayers, right? But unless you bring it before the Lord, it's not going to happen. Unless we start bringing that stuff to the Lord, it's not going to happen, right? We prayed last year. We, we, we started praying for people to have dreams and visions and encounters. We made intercession for that, right? That they will encounter the Lord in their sleep because they're stubborn, ah, right? They don't want to listen, right? And suddenly, God starts appearing to them in dreams. I'll tell you some of the stories later. God just shows up in their dreams. Since last year, it's been awesome. But it took intercession, and it really did. We really interceded. It was a week or two weeks that we just said, this is what we're going for. God just released dreams, released visions over these people. So we made intercession for that, and suddenly you see it happen. Isn't that something? When you prayed for it, and it actually manifests. But you have to know what you're praying for. You need a vision, right? What do you want to see? But one boy said he wants better data. So I said, that's not part of the vision. Shh, get another one, right? We're not going to play TV games in the village. Right? It's not part of the vision. It's just a joke. He's 10 years old, so he can ask for it, right? But you understand it's way outside of what God is doing. It's not the point. But if I have a vision and I start praying into that, suddenly there's flowers and there's green grass and people are having dreams and visions. It's awesome. Why? Because it's in what God spoke. It's within the revelation of what he wants us to do. And now my intercession is partnering with his and we get the breakthrough in this stuff and it's awesome. But we have to get on our knees and start calling people into the kingdom. If it's the decade of souls, I want to ask you, how hard are you praying for the lost? When was the last time you prayed for a lost person or people group? When was the last time you were gripped on your knees and you realized that unless God shows up, they're going to hell? Right? When was the last time you prayed for your government? Nice prayers. Godly, prophetic prayers. Not remove them, Lord. <laughs> it's not a bad prayer, by the way. It's not illegal. It's not. It really isn't. It's not illegal. By the way, I... Anyway, yeah, we'll get into that later. We have to get this thing revived in our hearts again. Right? Intercession and prayer. I want to challenge you to get old school again. Get a list of people that you're going to start praying for. Put it on your fridge. Put it in your Bible. Get a group of people that you're going to start praying into the kingdom. And target somebody close to you. Don't just target Iraq, right? Target somebody close to you that you can actually see the change. See how their hearts change towards you. And really pray. And if it doesn't work, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Right? That guy that's blocking the gospel in your family... What if you just pray him out of the way and into the kingdom? Wouldn't that be something? That's what Finney's intercession, Daniel Nash, that's what he used to do. He would choose the hardest. He would sit in, I said he never talked, this guy was just quiet. And he would just sit in chairs and he would sit in meetings. He was just not a talkative person. He was just a praying person, right? And then he would hear and, and people would say, yeah, but that guy's walked into the meeting again. But Christians aren't coming to the meeting because this guy, he's, he's like a heckler. He's... You know, he's just tormenting the Christians, cursing at them, making fun of them, uh, you know, just giving them a hard time. He owns the bar as well. So he's just a rough guy, fighting guy. He said, Nash literally just sat in his chair and he started crying. And the next minute he ran out. And he said, for a week you didn't see him. You just didn't see him again. And, and then a week later, this guy walks into the meeting. Finney is preaching. Nash is praying somewhere. He's not even in the meeting. And Finney is preaching, and he sees this guy, and the whole room goes, whoa. Right? Everybody's nervous now. And this guy is tripling around at the back of the room, kind of nervous. And when the meeting is over, he comes forward, and he says, can I say something? This rough guy comes forward, and he takes the microphone, and he says, I just want to say I'm sorry. I encountered Jesus. <laughs> he got born again. This guy got born again, and they started having meetings in his bar. Because one guy said, no ways, we're not losing this one. We're not losing this one. Right? So we need to wake up. And there's a spirit of intercession. Zechariah 12 verse 10. 
there's a spirit of intercession. And I believe that spirit God wants to release over us. But how do you activate the things, the promises of the spirit? What did I say last night? How do you activate them? By faith. Action. So how do you activate the spirit of intercession? Start interceding. And as you start choosing it in this realm, then suddenly the spirit realm responds and grace comes.